Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Rob Levin. Rob is a serial entrepreneur with over 30 years of experience helping small businesses. In 2018, he co-founded Work Better Now, which provides SMBs with Latin American talent. Prior to WBN, Rob founded the New York Enterprise Report, a media company trusted by over 100,000 business executives. Rob's understanding of the small and medium-sized business world drew widespread acclaim and earned him national recognition, including Journalist of the Year by the U.S. Small Business Association. In between, he held different C-level roles in fast-growing businesses. Thanks so much for being here today, Rob. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you here. We're going to be talking about finding good talent, which seems to be more and more difficult every day. Um, but let's let's do some baseline information first. Um, how is a talent crisis actually defined? It's a great question. I, I don't I don't have a definition. I, I but I will tell you this, and I'm sure it's something that you see as well when speaking with clients uh, and other business owners, which is, it, the, the truth is, is we've been in one for quite some time, right? What does it mean? It means it's really hard to find great talent. It's hard to retain great talent. Mm. And on top of that, and maybe the most important point is productivity in the U.S. workforce, and there's actually data behind this, has been, has been declining, even though we have all of these tech tools. And, you know, think about some of the things that we've heard about in the media over the past few years, quiet quitting. Um, there's this crazy term, which I don't really like, but lazy girl jobs. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's lazy guy jobs, too. I don't know why it's lazy girl jobs. I don't like it either. Um, where people, there's a lot, there's a percentage of the workforce that's looking to do the bare minimum. And, you know, I don't think big companies like it either. But in a big company, somebody doing the bare minimum, you know, can it's probably okay in a, in a small and mid-sized business, you know, anywhere from a couple of employees up to three, 400 employees, you need everybody yeah. really engaged in what you do. So this is, when I say that we're in a talent crisis, and it's, it's not just me, but many people have been saying this. Um, it, it's, we, it, it's just getting, it's really hard to get talent, productive talent. And it's something that really affects small and mid-sized businesses, not so much large businesses, because what were the headlines last year? Layoffs, layoffs, layoffs. These were layoffs right. at large companies, not at small and mid-sized businesses. So um, it, it's it's unique to that segment of the market, which is the only market I really care about. Um, and between the data and then what people are seeing on the productivity side, it's really impactful in a not so good way. Boy, that is for sure. And, and then you see these reports about um, 
how engaged our employees and it's like, I don't know, 30% are actually yeah. actively engaged, which means yeah. the rest of them are, have signed out. That, yeah. That's that, th- those are similar stats that, uh, that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. So, huh. So what do we do? Like, what are the strategies so that we can still prosper during a talent crisis? And and you and I are both focusing on small and mid-sized businesses. Yeah, that's right, right. So the the first the first thing is to I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to go through the different things that somebody can do, and then if okay. you want to double back into the details of any, I'm happy to to do that. So right, the first thing is retain the the, the good talent that you have, and by the way. Part of retaining the good talent you have is in, let's just say, helping the not good talent find a better opportunity, a better home. Yes. Right. Because your good talent is not going to want to, you doesn't, does not want to work with not good talent. Right. So the, the first step is what can you do to retain the good talent? Yeah. Um, the next thing to do is to set yourself up to be an attractive employer for future good and great talent. Uh, the third step, and these don't, by the way, th- those first two should be done in order. The next two don't have to be done in order. Okay. The next one is how can you leverage technology, specifically AI and specifically automation? That is something that all small and mid-sized businesses should be doing today. Many, like like my company, um, uh, are. And then the, the fourth thing is to really consider offshore slash nearshore talent. Those are the four things uh, that it's really part of the new talent playbook, if you ask me. Those are the four things that companies should be doing. Happy to drill down on any of those. Awesome. Okay. So the first one I want to drill down on is uh, setting your company up to be a good employer for future staff. Yeah. What does it look like? Like, how do you do that? Or are there certain elements we should be looking at? Yeah. So th- there's there's a number of things. Um, so th- there's a long-term thing, which I, I'm, I have to mention because it's really important, but it is a long-term thing. It's nothing... That is that you're going to be able to do in a week, okay? Yeah. Uh, but if your culture is not strong, really work on it. Really, really work on your culture, okay? Yeah. And I, I, we, we really it could be a whole separate podcast on what to do about it. But the 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 thing that I'll say in in summary is have a culture by design and not by default. Right. Mm, yeah, and and yeah. that's that's one of the things I'm really most proud about what myself and my partner and the rest of our leadership team at Work Better Now have done is from the beginning when my partner and I sat down, of course, in a bar to come up with this business idea. One of the things we said was, you know, at this company, culture is going to really matter and it's going to be what we want it to be. And it's been successful in doing that. And it's never too late to start. So that's that. now. Assuming you have at least a decent culture. And you want to make yourself more attractive. You gotta, you gotta position your company as. You gotta make sure you're promoting your your positive employer brand. What's an employer brand? Well, what is a brand? A brand is what when some when you mention your company to somebody, 
a brand is what comes to mind, right? Yeah. Um, whether it's good, it's bad, or maybe it's even indifferent. Yeah. An employer mm-hmm. brand is the same thing, but from the perspective of current and prospective employee employees, right? What do they think of your company as a place to work? And um, so let's assume that you got the culture down, right? Or you got it at least to where it, it, it's as good as it's going to be for right now. You got to actually promote that. So, you know, where are people looking for feedback on your company as a place to work? Like they're looking at Glassdoor. Have you paid attention to this? Have you asked your existing employees to to post about their experiences on Glassdoor, hopefully in a positive way? Um, so, and, and there's a few, there's a there's a bunch of other things that are I think are are somewhat obvious, but but maybe not. So, you know, is your compensation competitive? Um, are you offering career advancement opportunities? Are you offering upskilling and reskilling opportunities? And here's the cool part about that. The, the pace of change in business continues to accelerate, yeah. which means your company needs new capabilities every year. You can hire people for those or you can send your existing people to training to learn those things and bring those capabilities in-house. And then you can tie that in with career advancement opportunities. Okay. Um, and then I think it should be obvious after the pandemic, but you really have to uh, foster a, a healthy work-life balance. You know, we've we've been over the past hundred years. The work-life balance has been shifting more to the life size as uh, side as it should, and yeah. that accelerated during COVID, like uh, like many other things. And you have to really start to play ball there. Um, and then, lastly, on the on the on positioning your company, and this, by the way, affects retention as well as your ability to attract. Um, are you are you recognizing your people? Um, we, I got to tell you, we put in something called the W Awards. I think it was last year, and it's been a home run, and it's the coolest thing. Where you know we have thirty people working in the company, and once once a week we have a meeting, and we recognize you know people anybody can can put somebody else up for a W Award, and they get recognized. And you should see the look on people's faces. It's so easy to do. Um, these are the things you can do to, to position yourself as an attractive place to work, both for existing employees as well as future employees. It's so great. I'm so glad I asked the question because it's not complicated, right? It is a, it is a shift because the workplace has shifted, as you said, has been shifting over the years. And, you know, you it's like fighting against the wind. You know, you can't. You give into it embrace it. I think everyone should be uh, acknowledging their people, but if you haven't done it before, never too late to start. Um, And I love what you said about, you you know, having your people learn about the new things that are going on instead of feel always feeling like you have to hire for it. It's really, it's great. Or, 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 or that you have to figure it out yourself. Right. yeah, when we get to AI, if we do, I'll, yeah. I'll just tell you what we did here along those lines, and it was it's pretty cool. Well, that was my second one because um, AI, especially, is something that that is just crazy and is scary to some people. You know, foreign to others. Some people embrace it and and move forward. So, talk some more about that, if you would. That and automation. 
Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lump them together, but they're not the okay. same thing. And and while you can use them together, you don't have to. And in many cases, you won't. Uh, and in fact, uh, automation might provide more re real benefit in the near future than AI. But anyway, so um, I'm going to start actually a little bit more with AI. So when AI, when ChatGPT came out somewhere around a year ago, you know, we what we do is we provide talent from Latin America for U.S.-based businesses and and many roles, you know, executive assistants, marketing coordinators, blah, 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 blah. So a question people would ask me, oh, is AI going to, you know, decimate your business? I said, no, it's not. It's actually going to be the opposite. Now, what did I mean? What I meant is I knew that down the road, it was very clear to me that down the road, we are, we are going to AI enable our workforce, not just the 30 people that work for us, but the 330 or so as of now that work for our clients. And, uh, and we've started that process. But what I, what I realized was, well, I realized a few things. Number one, we, the company, WBN, work better now. We need to start embracing AI internally first before we start providing training, right? For, yeah. for all of our professionals that are working for our clients. The other thing I realized was I'm a pretty smart guy, but you know, I'm uh, I'm probably the oldest person in the company, two days older than my partner, and we're older than everybody else. And everybody younger than us is certainly a lot more digitally native, and they're going to figure this stuff out better than we are, right? Yeah. So one of the things we did is we said, hey, guys, AI is going to be a major priority for the company. And I explained really what I just explained to you, maybe with a little bit more detail. And this was almost about a year ago. And I said, guys, just I want everybody in the company, all the, all the leaders, and then you can get your people and your departments to do this, start experimenting and document right? And the leaders started doing that. And they, they, some things worked, some things didn't, some things were, we've already implemented in the business. We, we implemented in the business in the middle of last year, and it, it, they've been paying off big dividends. Um, and then we got the rest of the company involved. And um, it's amazing. We, we, then, we then started doing AI show and tell once a month. <laughs> and it's amazing what people have come up with. And the point of all of this is, you know, you have to say like, hey, we're going to embrace AI because if you ask somebody like Peter, Peter Diamantis, a, a, certainly a futurist and an incredible entrepreneur, you know, what AI, how AI is going to impact companies, he said, there's going to be two kinds of companies in 2030, those that, are, that have embraced AI and those that are out of business. Yeah. Whether it's 2030 or 2035, I don't know, but it's going to happen. Yeah. So you got to realize this as a business owner and also realize, you know, using the, the who, not how principle of uh, Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach, it doesn't have to be you that figures all this out. Let your team play. Let them figure it out. Let them test things. Let them fail. Let them see what works. Give them some guidelines and you can, you can get some guidelines to make sure you're not infringing on copyright or that you're not uploading uh, confidential data in a, in a, in a, um, in a public environment, right? Because one right. of the things AI can do is not only create things, it can analyze content, it can analyze your data, which we've done. And it's been very helpful in terms of analyzing our recruiting data. Um, but the point is, is get your team involved in this, make it fun. Uh, and you'll be surprised what they come back with. That, I love that. I mean, I'm an early adapter anyway, so I find these things 
fascinating. Uh, but I, th- I think that is really helpful for a, a lot of listeners uh, for so many reasons. But I really like that you addressed it doesn't have to be you. Because a lot of small business owners think it does that, that, you know, that for whatever reason, they're the ones who have to figure everything out and they feel like they don't have time to focus on other things. It, you know, that gets into a longer discussion that I think goes beyond the, the, the topic today, which is, you know, again, this who, not how uh, idea. Mm-hmm. And those business owners that feel like they need to do everything themselves always ask themselves, why can't I grow? Well, that's why. Yeah. You're in, you're in the way. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. I, I, you know, having been an entrepreneur now for the past 20 plus years, I can tell you that once I started to let go, that's when the growth started happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, when we talked before about culture, I mean, that's what your people want. They want to be able to contribute to that degree and feel like they are really contributing to something that is meaningful and valuable. And so why not let them? Everybody wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Now, speaking of everybody winning, so now let's talk about the, uh, you know, this offshore new shore talent. Why? Well, it's not even why. Well, maybe I should ask that. Maybe the listeners don't necessarily get it. But um, how should someone begin thinking about hiring overseas talent? Because it scares some people. Yeah, totally understandable. In fact, um, I started this business with my partner in 2018. In 2019, I called a friend of mine. I'm actually mentioned his name. His name is Larry Zogby, RDS Delivery Services in Manhattan. Um, Known Larry for 20 years. He was a client at my last company. And I told him what I was up to with this company. And this was in 2019. He said, nope, not interested. Yeah, thanks. What else is going on? And I I said, all right, no problem. (laughs) And then the pandemic hits. And his workforce has to work remotely. Everybody was coming to the office every day. And he said, hey, can we talk? And uh, hired somebody. And he now, by the way, not only has, I think, nine of our professionals working for him, but he's referred about 30 or 40 companies. To okay. So he's, he's literally become our, our number, one, number one advocate. And he had the same, same concern, too. And now, uh, like I said, he's just a huge advocate, not only of us, but of uh particularly of talent in latin america which is where all of the talent we're providing him comes from so the first thing you have to do is realize and accept a few things right um number one it's what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation right what we talked about was we're in a talent crisis here right it's hard to find um people who want to who have great abilities yeah. and that are going to be vested in your success not just showing up for a paycheck okay so accept it it's not changing anytime soon and there's a, there's a lot of data and demographics and all of that behind that then you have to realize well okay obviously if people are working from overseas they're working remotely well you know we've kind of crossed most companies crossed that bit bridge over the pandemic right sure. we've learned to uh, to work remotely. And, uh, you know, there are some best practices in, in, in working remotely and I can, I can, I can come back to those if you'd like, uh, in a little bit. Um, so then, you, you know, then it's, then it's learning something new, which is, Hey, 
by the way, there is amazing talent around the globe. And, you know, you, you have certain roles that you need really great English proficiency and you should separate between verbal and written. Some roles, maybe you don't need it. Mm. Um, but there's people with great English proficiency or good English proficiency, depending on what you need. Um, and they, uh, like I said, they bring not only great experience, but amazing attitudes and, 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 and an owner's mentality. And then at some point you have to say, you know what, I'm going to try this because either I'm going to develop this competitive advantage of, of hiring overseas talent because I'm going to get great people. And of course, because the cost of living is lower, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be less expensive than those in the United States. Not to mention, you're not going to have to deal, um, you know, with the same kind of benefits. And of course, all the HR regulation at the federal, state, and sometimes city level. And and, and then give it a shot. Because I can tell you, you're, you're not going to be the first to the party. There are, of course, large companies have been doing this for years. And now you're seeing... and. All you have to do is look in the in the you know the Wall Street Journal and other other business publications. Small and mid-sized businesses are doing this now at an increasing rate. Um, and and then you have a couple of choices. You can either go ahead and try to hire on your own, and I know some small and mid-sized businesses that have done that successfully. Of course, it's difficult, right? Um, yeah. You're not only hiring, which is one of the things that small and mid-sized businesses hate to do and do not do well typically. Now it's a little bit more challenging. Of course, then you have, there's obviously all the, your, your, the red tape and stuff like that. Or you can work with companies like Work Better Now, a talent partner that um, will actually make it easier for you to hire somebody overseas than it is, it is to hire somebody in the States. So those, and, and then you just, and then you, and then you just get started. And, You'll figure out pretty quickly if it's something that's right for you or not. It's right for it turns out it's right for most companies, but not all. Some companies just can't let go. They can't work in a, in a remote environment. But what you realize is hiring somebody uh, overseas, depending on time zone alignment, um, is much like hiring any other remote profession. Is time zone alignment one of the reasons why you say Latin America? Well, for us, it is, but. Um, because time zone alignment was important for us in terms of our offering. Okay. And um, number one, we wanted people to work um, at the same time, not, you know, one, one person's working while one's sleeping. And we didn't, we just from a health perspective, we don't believe in people working in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, although when it has to happen, it has to happen. Of course, there are situations like that. Um, but for us, it was very important. You know, so we chose Latin America not only for the time zone alignment, but the attitude, the work ethic, the work experience, um, that and and the English proficiency and the cultural similarities. But like I said, I have friends that are doing really well with hiring people in the Philippines. So um, there are other options available too. Yeah, I, I've um, I've actually interviewed people about the Philippines. That was one of the reasons I asked. I thank you for for answering that because I think the Philippines is is the one you hear the most of. Um, but I didn't know if there was, if there were real significant differences uh, between the two. There, there are and there aren't. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be, it's somewhat, in addition to time zone and culture, what, it, what it's going to come down to is 
not so much those regional differences. It's going to come down to who your talent partner is. There are companies that do you know, similar things like we do, providing um, off or near short talent that you know, for them, it's a numbers game. And then there's ones that are more like us. Uh, fortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, not many like us that every, every, every single professional that we provide is, 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 is part of who we are and we want to nail it every single time. And, you know, I, I don't want to bore you with the details, but, you know, we, we only accept the top one and a half percent of the people who apply to, to work with our clients and, and things like that. Um, there are, there are, comp- there are questions you, you can ask these talent providers that you look to work with if you decide to go that route, such as, um, you know, what, what is your screening process? Like, how are, how do you, um, uh, how do you evaluate worker skills? How do you gauge personality and attitude alignment with your culture? Um, how many times have some, has somebody been interviewed before you're going to interview? What's the matching process like? Um, how do you evaluate their English proficiencies, things like that. And then you'll start to find whether or not that, that partner is aligned with the way you want to work. Yeah, that, that is a great point. Okay. That's really valuable. Um, are there, uh, certain, I mean, how do I want to ask this question? Well, the question is really, are there certain roles that are best to hire abroad? Cause at the beginning of this conversation, you were saying, you know, it's everything from, you know, clerical to, um, what well, it was like, you know, market, you know, marketing directors, I, I think is marketing coordinators. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a pretty broad range. Yeah. 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 It's a great question. So I, I have two kind of two different answers for it, if you will. Um, I could tell you just what our experience is and, okay. We're providing 40 to 50 different roles. Um, wow. Anything from executive assistants, quality control, uh, managers, uh, bookkeeping coordinators, um, customer service reps. And, but then there are many roles that we don't provide, but other companies do, which is software developers. Um, there, I, 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 I've met some people who provide accountants from particularly from South Africa and India. Wow. Really? Um, because, it, you know, there's a big shortage of people in the accounting and bookkeeping world yeah. in the United States. Um, uh, and of course, you know, there are companies that you can outsource to, to when you need um, a lot of people to do customer service and, and things like that. But, um, you know, there, I, I don't want to say there's no limit to what you can hire how you you know where you what roles are that you can hire offshore um but there are plenty let's put it that way that you can you can hire offshore okay now uh talk to me about like the tools that people should be thinking about incorporating into their business or or using so that they are maximizing working with a remote team yeah. So are you asking about tech tools or are you asking about tools in general? Uh, let's do both. Okay. So tech tools really comes down to um, 
tech tools comes down to anything, all the tools you would use for any other remote employee. But for maybe maybe some people that are listening don't have anybody working remotely yet. So number one, you have access. You need to provide access to data and, and in a secure way. You should have your IT professional involved, be involved if you haven't had remote people, people working remotely in the past, so you have the right protocols. But what we're really talking about is having your data in the cloud, which I think most companies have come around to these days, right? Whether yeah. it's uh, using something like Dropbox or Office 365 or the Google Suite. Um, and then, of course, similar to what I just mentioned, you also want those collaborative uh Productivity tools like again Office 365 and, and Google Suite. And by the way, using Office 365 the right way, which means you're not emailing files back and forth anymore, right? You're emailing <laughs> links now, so that you have one set of documents and not two. Yeah. And then, as I as I kind of alluded to, you want to have the right security protocols, and your IT professional um, can help you with that. It's not very complicated these days. So on the technology side. Um, you know, it's again, same stuff for remote and it's stuff that most companies are doing these days anyway. And then when you, when you look outside of tech, and again, this is, this is really applies to anybody working remotely. You want to be, you want to, you want to make sure you're being extra clear there, there's a really good sense of clarity about things like working hours, responsibilities. And when I say responsibilities, I, I'll also merge that in with defining what success looks like. So if I was to hire somebody from overseas for a, for about a for a particular role, and this again goes for any other employee, particularly any other remote employee, but if you know, let's say I was hiring you, Diane. Diane, it when you're working really well at work better now, this is what it looks like. It means that I'm not getting things that um, have spelling mistakes, and I'm getting things on time, and you know, you're asking. In advance of this clarity, you're you're defining success, and then you're also outlining the communication standards. How do we how do we communicate in a remote environment? Are we using Slack? Are we using Teams? Are we using Are we picking up the phone? Right, we all have phones now as part of our computers. Uh, are we doing it on video? Are we doing it on email? When are we using each one? Right, when do we not use each? One? So again, first being clear on clarity, if you. Um, and then kind of as I started talking about how, how are we communicating, you know, when are we using video over voice? You do have to remember that there's no water cooler. So you have to incorporate that. Uh, going back to what we said earlier, um, we want to make sure we're highlighting the successes of the remote team members so that they feel like a part of the company and nobody's forgetting about them. And then whenever we can, we're, we're fostering informal connections. This could even be something like... Um, you know, virtual happy hours and stuff like that. These are some of the things that the, the, the tools, if you will, um, to have a successful remote environment. Okay. I, I um, this may sound like an obvious, like, a, you know, or a stupid question, whatever, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are these people actually, like, if I do this, are these people my employees? Or are they outsourced, you know, 1099s? Yeah, great, great, great question. And the answer is it depends. Are you hiring them directly? Are you going to go and look for your own person or use a firm that will actually do the recruiting for you, much like a recruiter in the States will, 
and then you're going to hire them directly, um, which has its challenges, but I know some people that are doing it, or you're going to work with a talent partner. If you're hiring them directly, then they're on your payroll. Of course, it's not US payroll, right? It's it's, yeah, it's your payroll, but it's farm payroll. Or if you work with a talent provider, like like a company like Work Better Now, then you're you're paying us by credit card and you're issuing us a 1099 and we deal with uh, uh, with the talent. Okay. Wow. Well, see, I, I'm glad I asked the question because me too. Yeah. <laughs> this is such great information. I really appreciate it. I feel like I'm more clear. Um and and you gave such great uh actionable advice around the things that these business owners can be doing to really set themselves up for success in this new environment and overcome the talent crisis that we seem to have in this country. So Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Diane. It was a, it was a lot of fun discussing this with you. Absolutely. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you please? Yeah, uh, you can find me at uh, on LinkedIn personally, Robert Levin. Just type in Robert Levin, work better now. Um, and then the company is workbetternow.com. Excellent. Thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.